Welcome back to the Where Are My Socks podcast, written and hosted by yours truly, Gabe Reichert. Well, first episode done. Now it's time for number two. Double the fun right here. So let's start off with the obvious. How have you been, Gabe? Uh, could be better. Could be better. Uh, I think the most obvious thing that those of you who know me will see is that uh, my knee is screwed up. And and most of you are going to be asking, Gabe, why is your knee screwed up? Um, I don't know. I genuinely have no idea. Uh, I was doing my marching band stuff last Saturday. And basically the thing just gave out. It decided it did not want to do that anymore, and it was done. Uh, I made it through the marching set, somehow. I don't know how how I did that, but I did. Uh, And then I got to sit down for the rest of the game, which was kind of nice. Except for the fact that my knee hurt a lot. So, overall, 6 out of 10 might do it again. But I'd probably do it at the start. Or at least towards the back half of the marching show, so I didn't have to feel the pain for most of it. But overall, you know, things like that happen, you know. I've had problems with this knee before, just not to this degree. Uh, I blew it out a couple of years ago playing baseball. That was the same year I broke my toe. I'm just very injury prone. Usually it's like minor stuff. Like, I get banged up a lot, but usually I'm fine. Uh, But then you'll get days where stuff like that'll happen and you just don't know what to do. So I've had my knee in a brace for most of the last week. Uh, Nothing serious. You know, it's not as bad as when I broke my foot last year. But, you know, it's bad enough that I have to, you know, be careful with it. Uh, Currently, I don't have the brace on. Uh, as I'm driving and telling you about this right now. Uh, and that's because I've had it on for most of the day and it, I just needed a breather with it. So it was getting itchy and, you know, that, that stuff just is no fun. Uh, in terms of band, though, uh, it's been pretty good. I know I'm saying uh, a lot and I apologize. I still haven't gotten used to this whole I'm talking to a phone thing, so... It is what it is. I'm so, I'm sure I'll figure it out eventually, but until then, you got to deal with the um. So, <laughs> in terms of band, things have been really good. I've been feeling a little better about it. Still not good enough to probably want to come back next year, but good enough that I know I can confidently finish out this year. Carrying the Susa actually is fine. Uh, I haven't really felt much pain in my shoulder, which I'm surprised about. I thought for sure that would just keep going, but I guess my shoulder's reached the point where it's strong enough to carry the thing again and not, you know, want to die. Uh, It's mostly my feet that are the problem. My feet definitely don't like carrying this giant freaking instrument that's probably like 50 pounds. That, that actually might be an over-exaggeration. It's, it's probably a little lighter than 50. Maybe like 40. But it's still pretty heavy. I mean, all things considered, the nice thing about the Sousa is it only affects one shoulder. Like, if you're marching with a baritone or you're marching with, you know, 
even flutes have this problem because with flutes and baritones and stuff, they have to hold their instrument up. And so when it comes to them, they're going to be using both of their arms all the time and it'll tire them out quite a bit. So at least I'm not tiring out both my arms and I'm giving that shoulder quite a bit of a workout which I think will be useful heading into uh, the second half of intramurals. I suppose that's a good segue into my next point here. Uh, I've gotten signed up for two different intramurals, so I'll keep you all posted about scores and updates on that coming next week, since that's when our first slate of games is. I play with Headshots Only, a dodgeball team, on Mondays, and on Tuesdays, I am captaining a soccer team. The Presidents of the United States. And the entire reason I picked the Presidents of the United States is technically, well, I guess it's two things. Because the first thing was uh, I wanted an idea that would fit everybody because we were all in, you know, the same floor of our residence hall, which is named after a president. So I figured that'd be a good thing. Uh, And the second thing is I'm hoping that everybody will just pick a president. And because of that, uh, I can wear a shirt that just says Garfield on the back. <laughs> and I think that's going to be really funny, all things considered. Like, I'm probably just a bit of a on the crazy side, you know. But, dadgummit, what I wouldn't give for a shirt that just says Garfield. <laughs> bouncing right off of intramurals uh it's been really nice uh in you know playing for the band and all to actually root for a winning team like i don't know if this is a common occurrence through most high schools but especially in the midwest there is a big disparity between teams and our team is beyond horrible and has been for several years but the wheels really fell off this year I'm not going to name teams, but they just recently lost at home, on homecoming, by nearly 80 points. And if you are wondering how that is possible, isn't the mercy rule for high school, you know, 35, 40, 45 at halftime? The answer is because they didn't score that much at halftime. What they did was they scored just below that and then left their starters in for the whole game and just absolutely crushed them. Which, honestly, props. Most coaches wouldn't have the guts to do that. Most coaches would be like, all right, everybody else, you can play. But the fact of the matter is their JV was going to play our team's JV that next Monday. So that sort of thing goes straight from wow, the starters got epically beat down to oh gosh our backups have to play their backups and our backups are worse than our starters so if you're wondering just exactly how good it feels to root for a team that has yet to lose at home this year that's how good it feels 
Like, I've gone from a culture of just getting absolutely stomped to, wow, we get to play the fight song more than twice, and we get to play it for when we win. It's amazing. It is genuinely amazing. Okay, let me think here. Moving on to our next segment. Uh, I believe we're just going to launch right into my Artist of the Week. And after a lot of consideration, I'm going to go with uh, an artist that I'm certain some of you will know. Uh, if you've ever heard of anybody in the Minecraft YouTube community, odds are you've heard of Wilbur Soot. And he has put together a band that plays a lot of shows. <laughs> Sorry, plays a lot of songs, and recently they've started doing a lot of Wilbur's older work. Uh, the band is called Lovejoy, and they just recently released an EP titled Pebble Brain, which in and of itself is just a great title. Um, I've been listening to that for the last, oh, probably about 24 hours since it dropped. Uh, I believe it was labeled as the number one new album on the charts recently, in, according to the iTunes store. So, props to him. Uh, I know he's wanted to have a music career for a while. He's mentioned it before in streams, uh, you know, in videos. So, I'm really glad to see that he's doing well. But on top of that, the music's great. Like, all things considered, for an artist who's uh, also a YouTuber and a Minecraft YouTuber at that, like, I get the bar was low, but still, like, in terms of serious music, it's really good stuff. And even if you think of him as, oh, funny, funny Minecraft guy, like, you've got to admit that the music's solid. I think out of all of the songs, my favorite one is track seven and it's got a it's got a longer name and i'm struggling to remember it right now i've been trying to think of it for the past 30 seconds uh, i think it's i believe it's called <clears throat> it's all futile it's all pointless if i'm remembering correctly and it is just a phenomenal piece of work it's one of wilbur's older songs that he did when he was back as a solo artist but they've reimagined it and added in like the rest of the members of the band. And the sound is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I think they did a really good job with it. And yeah, that's my pick for Artist of the Week. So, bit of a different pick from last week. What with going straight from uh, Miniature Tigers and their dream pop style to a British boy with his friends in a band. So do with that what you will. <laughs> There's been a couple other artists I've been picking up, like, recently, uh, because of, you know, my looking through thrift shops and all. I've, I've ran across a couple people I've been listening to a lot more, but in terms of, you know, more recent artists, stuff you guys might actually want to listen to instead of just, you know, hearing me repeatedly pick artists from the 60s that haven't released new material in about 50 years because they're all dead, you know. <laughs> uh, I'm fairly certain y'all would enjoy my more recent hot takes better. 
that'll set up a good segue into our next section, which is me talking about the voice tournament. Unfortunately, my road to the voice ended this last Thursday, but so did pretty much everybody else in the competition uh, because they decided to make some very stupid cuts. So what happened was uh, the first round was auditions. They cut, you know, whoever was left, right? And then they cut one person from each team last time, right? And then they cut three people this time, leaving them with only three total in the entire competition, right? Which is kind of dumb. I mean, you'd think for more drama, you cut two people the first time, two people the second time, or you cut one and one, or one and two, and go into the finals with six people. Like, literally any option would have been better than one and three. Because like, for one and three, there was one team that was stacked that was actually interesting. The rest of the teams, it was like they had one really good singer, so you already knew who was gonna win. And I mean, I sang my heart out. Uh, I think I gave a pretty good show, pretty decent performance, all things considered. But I was going up against somebody who sounded like they could have been a professional singer who was singing a song in their range, in their vocal style, like, there's no way I'm gonna beat that. Even if I sang my heart out, and I did, there's no way I'm gonna beat that. I just don't have the vocal quality, the tonality, the range to beat that. Uh, I'm a relatively polished singer. I've got published works. Naturally, my published works aren't very good, because I'm much better at singing covers. But, you know, at least I give it a shot, right? The only problem is, and I cannot stress this enough, they cut too many people too far behind in the competition. And that, that kind of sank it. So, you know, what, what are you gonna do about that, right? You just, you just can't really do anything. Uh, I ended up singing Can't Help Falling In Love by Elvis. It was a very solid performance. Uh, I think a couple people in the crowd started singing along at one point, but ultimately it wasn't enough to beat somebody singing Kelly Clarkson top of their lungs, right? You know? I think I could have survived it if they'd cut just two people. Uh, there's no way I could have survived it cutting three. The only team I might have been able to cut it on, even then it would have been a toss up. But that team, all things considered, would have been beaten out by any of the four from one of the other teams, the stacked one I was telling you about, or the first place person from our team. Like overall, it was just unlucky. Uh, I think I could have probably picked better in terms of team, but you know, what's done is done. And I entered that competition for fun. I didn't enter it to try to win, so. Going back to an episode after, you know, a day of just thinking about it really can do you some good at the old recording department. Uh, I'm actually recording this on Saturday, along with all the rest of the bits of this episode, because I just couldn't think on Friday. I think just taking a little bit of time to just kind of reflect and react on the week definitely did me some good. 
So I'm coming back and I'm remembering things and I'm fresh and sharp as ever. So I think the bit I'm going to start with today is probably going to be my thrifting bit. Uh, last week, obviously, I, I told you about some records I bought, some things I'm excited to test out. This week, it's actually less about thrifting and about opening a new alleyway for me to get my thrifting. And that is because uh, this week, I managed to buy an 8-track player online. Uh, for those of you who don't know what an 8-track player is, it's basically like if a cassette player and a record player had a child it would be an eight track player because yeah, it's got like a little wheel thing in the middle, but it's a tape, but it's a magnetic tape. It's, it's a really interesting concept because eight track tapes don't really look like anything. They kind of look like a, if any of you had like an old, like Leapster, you know, like the little cartridges you'd put in for the games, uh, like, like an NES cartridge or an SNES cartridge. Those, those look about the same type of thing too. Like, it's just, it's very interesting. But uh, I bought one of those, uh, and it came with a tape. And I really love the tape, too. It's it's a great tape. It's uh, Glenn Campbell. I'd uh, never heard of the guy before. I don't know what genre he is, but whatever genre it is, uh, I kind of like his stuff. So, now that I've got that, I can actually start buying eight tracks and, you know, using them to play songs off of, which is going to be really nice. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I bought a couple new records. Um, I was back at home with my parents for the first half of this week because it was fall break here. So we ended up stopping by the record store. Well, I say record store. It's more of a consignment shop, but it sells records. It, it's in my hometown uh, and I hadn't been there for about two months. So I was like, you know what? What the heck? How about I go there with my mom? And, um, we got in there. Uh, I think I looked around for a solid at least 30, 35 minutes with my mom. Ended up finding some pretty good stuff, stuff I'm pretty happy about. And so overall, I think the record haul this week was good. I got a Sam Cooke single, uh, one I hadn't actually heard before. So pretty happy about that. I'm always, I'm always looking forward to finding more Sam Cooke the guy is phenomenal. I, I love his stuff. I love the songs he does. And so just finding and listening to more of them without looking online, obviously, because, you know, I could look up Sam Cooke songs online, but looking for them this way in record stores like this, it, it's really just like a, like a bargain hunt sort of thing. And it's almost like, wow, I found a new Sam Cooke record. It's like completely new music to me. So, pretty happy about that, uh, especially because a lot of my current favorite modern artists haven't come out with anything in a while. Uh, I mentioned Lovejoy earlier in the episode. Um, I believe they're the most recent out of all of my followed artists to come out with something. Uh, before that, it was just scaled and icy. Like, that's all that came out recently. Oh, I, sh I should clarify. Scaled and Icy by 21 Pilots. Phenomenal album. Uh, I know it's gotten a lot of, you know, dislike from, like, actual, like, diehard fans, but I think that's mostly just because uh, their older fans preferred their older stuff, and they just wanted more of that older stuff when 
it was pretty obvious that with this new record, they were trying to, you know, go in a slightly different direction, try out some new sounds, get some new stuff going. And realistically, overall, I prefer it when bands do that because that means they're just staying true to themselves. You know, there's no sense in rehashing old material that you don't like anymore, right? I mean, you wouldn't ask a comedian to go out there and tell the same joke 50 times. I mean, he'll do it sometimes. And obviously, you you can quote that joke many times over later on with other people who have seen that sketch. But if you only tell that joke, then what are you but a parrot, after all, you know? So I, I think it's good that they're exploring new avenues seeing new things, trying new music styles. Uh, it's kind of like what Fall Out Boy did when they came back from their hiatus. Uh, I, I am not a huge fan of the newer stuff, but, you know, like, I, I love their work. Like, they're, they're masters of their craft. They've found their sound. They stuck to it for a while. Then when they tried to experiment a little bit with their uh, album Folia Do in 2008, their fans hated it so much that the band split up and... I only got back together after a couple years on hiatus because, well, with that sort of uh, music type, their fan bases are extremely loyal unless they don't like the music that they just currently put out, which is kind of sad if you ask me. I know I mentioned this last week, but just the number of thrift shops in the big city area like this just staggering to me because you know like I mentioned earlier in the episode you know I've only got one main consignment slash record store in my town and like they don't focus on records they just happen to have a ton of them so if I ever need to you know look for say some older stuff some older records that's the place that I usually go because you know, your main record stores, they're not going to sell 78s. And I'm I'm actually a huge fan of 78s. Like, there's just something about those older records like that that just really stands out to me as, you know, wow, I like this. I, I think it's an acquired taste. I, I, I'm certain if you talk to anybody who's a vinyl enthusiast, uh, probably about, I'd say, six or seven times out of ten... If they're a younger record enthusiast, they'd be like, what's a 78? Because they've, they probably only play, you know, 33s and 45s because that's just what's around. That's what most players have settings for. You know, I've got two record players and only one of them's got settings for 78. And that's just because that one is specifically designed to transfer from, you know, uh, record to computer. That is like its only function. It doesn't do anything else because, well, it doesn't need to do anything else. That's what it's meant for. That's what it's made for. That's what it is. And so just having that ability to play and listen to those older tracks from, you know, bygone eras like that, that's just incredible to me. And I think that kind of brings me around to um, one of my favorite things I ran across this last week, uh, and that is a song that nobody has listened to in probably around 20 years. I, I'm really hoping I didn't talk about this earlier in the episode because I've really wanted to save this story for, you know, the part where I specifically talk about my thrifting and the music stuff I've been listening to. But recently, 
at that same records and consignment shop in my hometown, uh, I found what appeared to be a, like almost a homemade record. So back in the day, like they had these, you know, you record them things, you know, back before uh, it was really commonplace to have, you know, phones where you can record stuff like I'm doing right now. Uh, they'd have, you know, microphones and then you could have these, basically they were record burners. And so they'd, they'd scratch out the thing onto a disc and then you could play it from the disc. And I got a couple a while back from the same consignment shop, but I don't know what's on them because, well, they're too quiet to hear. So I might end up giving them another shot, you know, here in just a little bit and see if I can't figure out what's on them. But recently, when I went back over this last weekend for fall break, uh, I discovered another record that looked similar to those. Like you could tell it was a home record because it didn't have, uh, you know, all the printed names and stuff. Like with your typical artist, they'll have a printed name, you know, and it'll say in like big solid letters, you know, Sam Cook, Bing Crosby, you know, so you can tell who it is instantly because it'll have like the letterhead printed on it. This one had the like artist and the name of the song typed on via typewriter, which was my first clue that this was definitely not something mainstream. And so, you know, I thought it was kind of odd. Uh, and then I looked at the other side and realized that not only was there nothing on that side of the record, the vinyl was so old and, you know, cheap quality that it was peeling away. It wasn't doing that on any of the parts where there were grooves, but any of the parts where there weren't any grooves on the record, it was just peeling and chipping away and revealing what I can only assume is like metal of some kind, which I would probably assume is like how cheaper records were made back then is just metal. Like I know they're vinyl records or rubber. Well, the really old ones are rubber records. I found out, which is why this was so intriguing to me. Cause like metal records, I mean, if you, if you don't count like Metallica, <laughs> but I'd never seen this sort of thing before. So out of curiosity, I bought it because, you know, if it plays, I may have just found something spectacular. If it doesn't play, oh, well, you know, I wasted two bucks. Big whoop. It's two bucks. I'll make that back in literally like 15 minutes at my job. But... I bought it, I got it back to my dorm, I put it on the turntable, uh, I hit play, set it to 45, and the thing plays. The thing plays. Uh, turns out the song is called Lonesome Cowgirl Blues. I couldn't find a record of it anywhere on the internet, which means that I may well have the only copy of that song. Uh, I'm doing a bit more research. Uh, turns out there's actually a record company like printed on the label which I'm doing a bit more research into them right now. So hopefully I'll have some new information to come back to next week, right? That'd be pretty interesting. The whole thing is just a big mystery to me. And I, I am, for one, I'm excited to see more because I don't know what this thing is. But I got the song off of it. I've been listening to it. It's a pretty good song. Uh, maybe I'll throw it into the music either this week or next week. Who knows? But for right now... Uh, I'm just enjoying it as it is.
So we'll see what comes of it. Uh, besides that, I got a bunch of 45s from there. Uh, a couple of albums, nothing too special. Uh, you know, just, just your basic albums. I haven't found, like, a really good 33, like, long-playing album, like an LP, from that shop since I found Sam Cooke's Shake in, like, my first two weeks of looking there for records. Uh, I found a couple, you know, decent ones. Uh, I still think my favorite one, besides the aforementioned Shake LP from there, uh, probably has to be Dion and the Belmonts, Dion's Greatest Hits. Uh, That record is incredible. Because not only did it introduce me, again, to a couple of songs that I already knew and loved, basically what it did is it just told me who wrote them and then put them all on one very convenient record that I can listen to. Like, that's just great stuff. Uh, For those of you who don't know who Dion is, Dion, uh, he was a 50s and 60s artist. Uh, He did a lot of, you know, like older sounding rock and roll type stuff. Really, really phenomenal voice. Uh, if you've ever heard the songs uh, A Teenager in Love, that's him. That's classic doo-wop right there. Same thing with I Wonder Why, another huge hit of his. Very, very prominently featured in doo-wop records, doo-wop albums, that sort of thing. Uh, the one you probably will know him most for is The Wanderer. You know, well, I'm the top of guy who will never settle down. That's Dion. I had no clue that was Dion. It was it was a real shock to me. Especially because uh, when I was reading the front part of that one, right? Front part of that record, it shows you the, the biggest songs. And I was like, oh, I know A Teenager in Love. I know Run Around Sue. I, I know a couple of these other ones. And I didn't see The Wanderer until I got it home and started playing it. Because it's the final track on the album. And honestly, out of all of them, it may well be my favorite. Because it's just a great song in general. Uh, If I'm remembering correctly, I think it's featured in the Fallout series. So, you know, all of you who play Fallout, you'll know that song for sure. Uh, Actually, that that reminds me of kind of a funny story. So, back when I worked my old job uh, at Pizza Hut, right? So, I played that song when I got that record, right? I I had downloaded it to my MP3 and I played that song and I was so happy. I I was, you know, playing it over the speakers at work. And one of my coworkers, who's one of my pretty good friends, he goes, wow, I didn't know you knew this song. You don't even play Fallout. And I just kind of started laughing because, you know, I, I was incredulous. I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe that he'd done that, you know? Obviously, people who don't play Fallout know things. And I mean, I probably would have figured it out anyways, because um, I'd been thinking about playing the game for a while. I just didn't have anything to play it on. And that's actually one of my plans. Uh, I recently got a new computer, uh, transferred all my files over, and so... I'm hoping to get some new games, so if any of you have any suggestions for new games I should play, toss them down in the comments.
I don't know if anybody else has felt the same way about this, but I think in terms of my creativity, I had a like really sharp decrease when I got into college. Because I went from, you know, making relatively consistent drops on music. You know, I, I'd make something, at least an EP or so, you know, every five months or so. Uh, and now, after Regime's dropped, like, I have no idea if I'm going to make another, you know, big thing like that in at least the next, give or take, two-thirds of a year or so, you know. Going from making something once every five months, you know, at least four or five pretty good songs, to not even sure if I'll be able to make a single in that time, it's just kind of makes me sad, you know, because I want, I want to make more music. I love making music. Making music on like my own terms is probably one of the things I do the best with like the most consistency, the most, you know, confidence, if you will, but just not having that kind of scares me a little, almost. It's been such a big part of my life ever since, you know, I actually started with that stuff back in late 2019, and now here we are, solid, coming up on almost two years later, and the potential of, you know, maybe losing that creativity just kind of messes with me. In all seriousness, though, uh, while we're thinking about, you know, just the music I've made, I, I do get asked this relatively often uh, from those who, you know, know my music and know me personally. Um, I, I've been asked a lot, what's my favorite song out of everything I've ever made? And I don't think I can answer that quite honestly for one simple reason, and that is... I have made so much music, like, in terms of just diversity, like, sheer diversity alone, I have made way too much music to properly assess and judge all of it. It's very tricky to judge cross-genre like that. Like, if you told me, you know, compare, you know, uh, let's go <laughs> Tones and I, Dance Monkey hate that song. I absolutely despise that song. I think it's probably one of the worst things that's come out of the internet in a long time. You tell me to compare that to, I don't know, like the Banana Boat song. You know, Deo by Harry Belafonte. I can't do that. I can tell you which one I like more, for sure. I can do that. I can tell you why I like the other one more, but in terms of true comparisons, genre by genre, I can't tell you which one objectively is better. I can tell you which one subjectively is better, but just, it's it's like comparing apples and oranges. You, you just can't do it. You can't tell which one's better objectively. Because everything is subjective like that. What was my original point? Let me think. Okay, I went back through my recording and I finally remembered what I was talking about in the first place there. Uh, like I said, I can't objectively tell you which song of mine is the best. 
Uh, and quite honestly, if I had to pick one, it would probably be my, well, like one of my more recent ones because I've listened to it less overall. But in terms of how I felt about songs when I first released them, uh, not counting the original couple of songs where I was just like, ooh, I made a song, I made a song, and like I actually started getting into it, you know, judging what was good, what was bad. I think my two favorites out of all of my music will have to be Counterfeit off of Play Act and probably Brash off of Seasons. Those two are just objectively relatively polished songs. Like, some of my work, I feel like, is just really rushed and unpolished because, you know, I've got anxiety, so I feel like I have to meet certain deadlines or, you know, nobody will listen to my stuff. And I mean, not too many people do anyways, but, you know, it's a growing fan base. Maybe one of these days I'll make it on a national stage or something, but I I enjoy it as a hobby. It's just something nice to do. But overall, uh, Counterfeit just has a very polished feel about it. The, uh, the entire song just feels well put together. And with Brash, uh, it was an experiment into a type of music I'd never made before. And I think following off of its success on Seasons and how I felt about it there and coming back with... Um, Skylines in Regime. Oh boy. That one just felt great to make. It felt fun to produce. Overall, I I really liked how that one turned out. I don't know if that one will hold up, but for now, it's one of my favorites. In terms of actual fun jobs, uh, I think delivery driving actually is relatively up there for me. Uh, I think it's definitely a step up from what I started with, which was uh, serving tables. Because with serving tables, sure, you get to show your personality off a little bit. You you get to have like a little bit of extrovert moments, but it's really, really, really tough on you to just do that day in, day out. Like serious props to food service workers. Like I will tip well if you're you're at least semi-competent at your job. Like I know how tough that job is. It sucks. It's genuinely probably the worst bit of work I've ever had. And so when I got to switch over to delivery driver, I decided, screw it. I am never coming in for another server shift again and told them that if they scheduled me, I just wouldn't come in. Because delivery driving is by far like a thousand times better. It is genuinely way better than anything else. And that's because uh, instead of, you know, having to talk to people a bunch, you basically have just like a pre-recorded script. It's just, hi, I have an order for blank. And then they're like, oh, yeah, that's me. And then you're like, okay, here's the total. Or if they've already paid, you're like, okay, just sign this. And then you give them their food. And then you say thank you and leave. That's it. That is all you have to do. It is amazing. Like, sure. Does it sound robotic? Absolutely, but what job isn't? Like, unless you're a creative genius in your field, you know, like a singer-songwriter, a comedian, like, even then, because they have to do shows, which are just the same songs over and over again, 
or the same bits over and over again, like, that's still pretty robotic. I mean, in terms of delivery driving, like, I never know what I'm going to get. I could get road construction over on 15th Street. I don't know if it's there or not until I get to 15th Street. And then I have to find a way around it. But I think the things I genuinely hate about this job are just like the road hazards like that. Like, I'm actually relatively scared of road construction. Not because the construction itself is scary. It's specifically about bridges. I don't like road construction on bridges, and I don't like bridges in general. Uh, They scare the heck out of me. Uh, Mostly because A, I have a fear of falling. B, I have a slight fear of drowning. Like, if I'm swimming, I'll be fine. And like, I know I'll be fine because, you know, I can swim. But because water also really damages my hearing, like I have to be real careful with that sort of thing. And it's, it's really just overall not a, not a great experience for me to drive over a bridge with road construction on it. So that's obviously a problem. And then uh, I, I really just don't like bad drivers. Drivers on the road who don't know what they're doing are just no good. They shouldn't be allowed to be on the road. You know, if you're driving too fast and you're driving over the speed limit, you're just not very friendly of a person to be driving alongside, you know? If I see you and you're going, you know, 40 in a 30, where do you have to be that's so important that you're going to trade, you know, 12 seconds for potentially getting a ticket and endangering the lives of others. Like, you're just stupid. And I know I'm passionate about this, and I know I'm probably going to get a bunch of people who are like, but going fast is good. It doesn't, it doesn't pay. The trade-offs are not worth it. Like, I should know. I I tried to go the speed limit on a rainy day and basically ended up having to get a new car because of the damage that I did to that one. Like, you do not want to go fast. It is not worth it. You will not get where you are going faster. Or if you do get there faster, you will probably get there injured. It is not worth it. This is coming from somebody who went fast a couple times, really regretted it. You gotta be smart. (laughs) And I know I kind of went real serious on you there. I apologize. I'll I'll try to bring it back to something a little more fun in the next segment, but, you know, just out here driving on the road, seeing these things, reacting to these things, it's just, ugh, I don't like them. Another thing I don't like is semis, but since I know those are essential, and, you know, you have to use those to transport anything anywhere, unless you're going to use trains, and with the death of, you know, small-town markets for trains in America and many railroads getting torn out of towns, it's really just not effective anymore to use the train as a way of transporting supplies. It was back in the olden days, but now it's not, so you pretty much have to use semis. Like, I I get that. There's nothing I can do about that. It makes me a little upset, but, you know. Just because they're big and hulking and on the road don't mean I can't hate them, so... I will close out today with our final segment of the day, the song of the week. Now, I know y'all are probably sick of me talking about music already, and I'll just 
You've said so much about music already in this podcast. Just be quiet and let us leave. And I will remind you that you can leave at any time. You do not have to sit here and listen to this. But I believe the song of the day, or the song of the week rather, is an older song. If y'all know of the name Dave Seville, you probably think of Chipmunks. But the thing is, the man behind Dave Seville, Ross Bagdasarian, I believe I butchered his last name, but I sure gave it a shot, did other music besides just the Chipmunks songs. Now, naturally, all of his singles were headlined by them, but if you look at the B-sides of those records, you can actually find some pretty solid gems. The man was good at music, and he knew how to parlay that into a successful career. It was just his successful career happened to be very high-pitched, fake singing animals named Alvin, Simon, and Theodore. So the song I'm going to leave you with today is called Almost Good. It's a nice little piano groove. It doesn't have very many words. It's just Ross himself out there going, hey, that's almost good. And just jamming out, and you know, that's... That's kind of what we need sometimes. Just a little bit of a jam session, a little bit of a groovy ride, and, you know, you feel better after a little while. And with that, I believe we are going to wrap up this episode of the Where Are My Socks podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in. Songs today used were pretty much just mostly my stuff. Uh, I did add in a couple more songs. And if you're interested in hearing those older songs, they are by the Neapolitan Trio. Uh, Good luck finding them on YouTube or Spotify or literally anywhere other than records, as they were part of Edison's record company. Actually, no. No, now that I think about it, I don't think they were Edison Records. I believe that one was a Victor record. It was made in the 1910s, early 1920s. And the two songs used in order were A.E. Tittle's Serenade and Schubert's Serenade. Two very good songs. I suggest you look those up. I'm certain you can find them by other artists that aren't full of record static. As always, I am your host, Gabe Reichert, signing off. Have a wonderful night, and enjoy the rest of your week. I'll see you again either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday for episode three of Where Are My Socks. Good night.